how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Chris Christie's scandal, Michael Jordan's early retirement, and Britney Spears' infamous 2007 meltdown are just a few of the topics Andrew Jinks tackles in his podcast, What Really Happened? The series takes deep dives into historical or widely publicized events over the past century, such as the lazy coverage of Princess Di's death, Muhammad Ali talking a man down from suicide, and the real reason Dave Chappelle quit his series. In our conversation, Jinx discusses campfire stories, the importance of facts and substance, what it's like to work with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and upcoming stories coming to his number one podcast. Stay up to date on other creative advice at creativeprinciples.live. I was a freshman at NYU and uh, was really depressed and not enjoying it and uh, certainly works for a lot of people that, that I know, but just wasn't working for me and uh, really wanted to make a, a movie and knew I didn't have the, the money to go and make a, a narrative film uh, and I was close with my grandfather and thought it'd be interesting to make a movie about living in a nursing home. And so, you know, I was living in a, in a dormitory with 300 strangers at kind of the start of life, so to speak, or the beginning of adulthood. And he was in a nursing home at kind of the other end of life. And I thought it'd be interesting to get that perspective and found a couple cheap cameras off of eBay, was able to, uh, afford those barely and, um, coaxed my way into, uh, letting a nursing home, let me move in and, uh, and, uh, called like 30 different nursing homes. My grandfather's and many others wouldn't let me in cause there was HIPAA violations and all these other things. But there was one in Florida that let me in and, and I, uh, when I had down there made the movie and, um, was very, very lucky that, uh, got into some film festivals, HBO ended up buying it and kind of went from there. Did you have any kind of outline or, or, you know, imagining what might happen or did you just kind of film as much as you could and edit down from there to make that film? No, I think there was, that's an interesting question, man. I haven't been asked that in a while. Uh, you know, I, from best, I, I think, I, I think I did a ton of preparation and, um, I think one thing that I really tried to understand was, was kind of the business for, for better or worse of 
of nursing homes and and the statistics behind senior citizens and and uh, by that I mean the health care, the money going going into it, uh, and then that kind of all as a lot of I think documentaries go, that information that I, that I learned ended up all sort of falling by the wayside because it ended up really being about the people there and their personalities and what they were like. So what were, so you've made some other films. What were some of your challenges as you moved from the, you know, more of a visual medium to the podcast you're doing now? What are some of the challenges of, of just using audio, for example, to tell a story? Well, it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's a little bit cheesy, but, you know, you think of your, your toolbox when you're, when you're telling a story. I, I don't know if I've ever really thought of it like that, but, uh, you know, you, you do have a, a uh, different tools that you that you use, and when you move to, in my experience, to, to podcasting, uh, you know, 50% of those are gone, so we're no longer obviously dealing with a visual, and so how can I tell my story um, using 50, you know, half of those, those tools that I'm used to? Uh, what, is, what is also interesting to me is, I don't know if this is the perfect way to put it, but it's not as precious as a movie or even a, a TV show. And by that I mean with a, with a movie definitely and to some degree a TV show, you're expecting the audience to be sitting there and are more or less pretty much focused on what you've put together. Whereas with a podcast, you're likely doing something else. You're driving, you're cleaning your part of your house, you're, you're, uh, uh, you know, you're doing other things. And that I've I've really come to to love that sort of challenge because you really you really really have to make sure your story is entertaining and clear and uh, you know that that part has been interesting to me because you you don't you're not afforded the that sort of like there's nothing else these people are, are the audience is doing. Um, what I also love, though, about about this is this kind of podcasting world is because it's not as precious. I'm, I'm able to go down, you know, sort of side stories uh, with a film or a show. It's it's so it's you have to be so strict with your with your story, and you can't kind of veer off course for a couple minutes and then decide to come back. Uh, and and that I, I really love. I'm so used to having to to do that, especially with TV, where you have for a half-hour show, 24 minutes, and you're, you got to get an, an act break, you know, within the first um, 15 minutes and, and this sort of thing. And so that part I, I've really, really loved. How do you kind of know when, when something is done? Like when you start, you have an idea for a, a, an episode, and you start to kind of put the research together, find audio clips, that this and that. How do you know when it's enough? Like how do you know when it's intriguing enough or long enough and that kind of thing? Uh, you know, to some degree, uh, uh, I don't know if you if you ever are. You know, it's sort of like once I'm done with an episode and we have completed it, I very, very rarely will go back and kind of listen to it once it's published because there's a million things, and this isn't like I'm not fishing for that kind of like earnest artist deal, but it's just like there's always shit that you're like, man, I could have done this better. I could have changed that. There was this part of that interview that would have worked well. Uh, but I, I think once I, I, I feel like there is uh, enough, there, there's like a, a real story that is 
that is new and, and innovative in some capacity with characters that, I, that I'm rooting for, uh, I feel like we have a chance of telling a, a good story. How, like, what do you usually know going in? Like, I just listened to your episode on Dave Chappelle, and I imagine I, I probably knew ha- maybe half of those things, but there's a lot more there that I didn't know. Um, like, how do you kind of jot down ideas and then pick the right one and then or pick the next one and then kind of go from there? What's your process like for that? Yeah, it's a good. Uh, well, I mean, in terms of you know something like Dave Chappelle, I don't know if this is exactly. You know, let, let me know here if I'm if I'm answering the question right. But it's sort of like with with Chappelle, um, and a lot of these episodes are really tricky because I don't. You know, I everyone knows different things. So some people listening to Chappelle, you know, know Dave Chappelle, but have never watched any of his stuff. Some people love Dave Chappelle. I've seen a lot of the episodes, knew, knew about the interviews that I, that I kind of really do almost like a play-by-play with, and so there's not necessarily that much news, so I'm trying to think of, well, what's, a, what's my take of what happened that maybe can be something that, that gets you thinking? Um, and so that, that's one component. Uh, and then I think maybe what, what you're asking in terms of topics is uh, what, what I find, you know, I don't know, it's a good question, Brock. It's kind of like, in a way, what do I find really interesting? Because if I don't find it interesting, if I don't find it interesting, the story I think it'll come across that way, and uh, it, it end up it will end up not being as good. Uh, if if I'm you know, and that's true with any like I, I think most a lot of things in life. If if you're not into it, I think it kind of shows, and so that's sort of one of the, the the biggest components. And then another component too for me anyway with this show is trying to make sure it is diversified in, in when it happened. Is it an old story, a new story, the type of characters? Uh, you know, it would be really easy to just do, you know, celebrities that we know of, celebrity scandals in the last 15 years. Uh, that, to me, belongs on, you know, a Bravo or something. Uh, I feel like we have more, more we, can, we can do, nothing against Bravo, but... Uh, we we can we have an opportunity to tell um, to tell stories that I think deserve um, have earned you know the right to be told and so uh, it's really making sure that we're able to mix it up uh, you know we did an episode on Dave Chappelle an episode on Britney Spears but you know we're also doing an episode next week on um, Buffalo Calf Road Woman who's a uh, incredible Native American fighter from the late 1800s that. Uh, has has been lost in history, and and we've been talking to Native American historians and Native American senator. Uh, we just spoke with a an, a couple authors that wrote a wrote a book about her, and so uh, being able to tell her story is is you know is is an opportunity. So let's talk a little. Uh, the one that came out today was uh, the Balloon Boy hoax, and that's for me that seems like something that's kind of you know a visual thing, and people have a, a memory of it, or they. Like see it on social media, remember what it is. How did you kind of start to really, you know, tell it the most effective way, just through audio? Yeah, what a good point. Uh, I think it was. Um, yeah, it's funny. So, you know, it's interesting. For up until maybe a week ago, when I wrote it, I had, I wrote, I mainly was writing balloon, describing it as a balloon, and you know, we we it, it kind of the term that came out of it was balloon boy, um, and then I was starting to think, all right well, how are listeners going to be visualizing this? And a balloon doesn't, it's not really a, the shape of what you think when you think of a balloon. 
it it looks it, it looks exactly like a flying saucer. So I I I don't want to say like I rewrote the script, but I I definitely changed around a lot of when I'm I'm no longer saying balloon peppered throughout. You know, if you listen to the episode, I'm I'm really saying flying saucer, flying saucer, because that is what it looks like. Technically, it's a helium balloon, but that's that doesn't really do the thing justice. And then at the beginning, I made sure I described um, how big it was, the color of it. And then I think for me, right from the beginning, I knew the way to bring it to life in audio form would be using those media clips. Because if you're if you're if you're listening to Fox News, CNN, CNN International. Uh, all of these different cable outlets describing this thing as it's happening with the passion that they are, that is, that is almost in a way at least ju- just as entertaining, if not more entertaining than watching it. Uh, being able to listen to how people are so excited talking about it, that to me brought it to life in a way that um, a, visual, a visual couldn't because when, once you see it, you know, you've seen it at that point. You, you, you know, your imagination can no longer run wild, whereas it, whereas it can if you're um, if you're listening to it. And so, what kind of time, like, uh, just any example, either the recent one or the one you're doing next week? Like, how much time are you actually spending on one story, or is it something that you, you know, go back and forth on until it's time to actually get it made? Or how does that all work? Yeah, that's uh, months, if not if if not, uh, it's it's each of them I've been working on for months. A few of them are projects that I've had in mind for years. The the Twenty Seven Club is something that I've, and I and I should be better. I should talk. I mean, I should be more clear. The you know a group of musicians that have died in the, in their late twenties and, and artists that have died early. Um, you know, I've been interested in that and have been uh, researching it for for years. Uh, in fact, pitching it as a documentary series for at least two years, if not longer, at this point. Uh, another episode we did on King John II of France. I'd been pitching for years and had that, been researching that, and then other ones uh, for at least a few months. And so, you know, it, you know, um, sometimes I'll go a week without researching it. Sometimes it's, you know, intense for a couple weeks. Uh, it kind of varies, but uh, until they're broadcast, they're you know always on my. I'm always reading or interviewing people uh, pertaining to the topic. How do you kind of, I mean, if you're thinking of some of these, like a long-form series, like, for example, The 27 Club, which is Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, and several others, how do you possibly start to filter that down to, like, one episode? Yeah, I mean, so I've I've made, you know, um, uh, five or six feature documentaries um, and then two short films, and I've always said the short films in a lot of ways for me, we're, we're much harder. Uh, there's that, I, for, I forget, the, there's that anecdote of, um, I don't know who it was, Pascal or Pass, I forget, but he writes a letter to a friend, and at the end of the letter he says, I apologize, if I had more, t- if I had more time, it, this would be shorter. And so, uh, to your point, it's, it's uh, you know, I always find it difficult when, it, when it's something shorter, and, and if you look at something like these group of musicians who've all died at the same age, uh, it could easily be, a series, um, which is how I'd originally envisioned it when I was pitching it as a documentary series. And so that's, yeah, to, to your, to your point, that's, that's really the challenge. And, um, in that case for me, I realized at some point that the journey wasn't necessarily about these 
individuals as much as it was about how we perceive um, how we perceive happenstance and how we perceive uh, these sort of man-made myths and how we perceive mental health and how we perceive ownership of artists. And so I decided to write that episode, open it up with kind of what this like this kind of fairy tale that we have of these you know six you know massively successful artists that all died at 27 all hanging out at a private club um in heaven and the sort of romanticizing that we we have of it and then slowly breaking that down and I wanted to make sure that I paid tribute to each six of those artists in terms of their talent and so I peppered that in throughout um, while making sure that it didn't become too focused on one artist or the other, because obviously that there wasn't there wasn't the time to do that, and um, and so that that you know it's a great question because that that one was probably the trickiest one in terms of being able to you know you're dealing with six main characters in a way. I've just got a couple more. Uh, so other than you know just creating great work, how did you kind of get involved um, with Seven Bucks Productions and these other backers you have? I was talking to um, Seven Bucks Productions, which is uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and, and Danny Garcia and Brian Gewertz and uh, some others about a what, it, what ended up actually being the pilot, if you will, or the first episode of the podcast about this time in 1981 where Muhammad Ali had apparently talked a guy out of committing suicide on the ninth floor of an office building in Los Angeles. And that really sparked their interest. I thought of it as a feature documentary or maybe a short documentary. I had been tracking the story for years, and uh, they thought that was really interesting. The cool thing about working with them is, um, you know, you know, uh, DJ is a uh, the Rock, and he's you know he's a pretty big movie star. So they're thinking, okay, how can we make this bigger without sacrificing at all the co- the, the substance or the content? And what we realized was. Uh, you know, podcasts were this growing medium. It would give me, I don't know if this came up per se, but it would give me a little bit more ownership after working with networks and um, a lot of times not being able to do what, what you wanted, want to do creatively. And we thought, well, why don't we pitch this as a, as a podcast series where this would be the first episode and then in other episodes you look at other historical figures or events that maybe have been misunderstood or, or underreported um, and that are just interesting and also fun rides. And uh, so that we did that and we, we met with all of these, you know, the nice thing, uh, especially when you're working with The Rock, is you can pretty much get in any room. And so we pitched it to all of the best, um, all of the best uh, podcast companies, and everyone was, was interested. Uh, Cadence 13, uh, where I am now, actually, they were the ones, the, the, the kind of one of the guys in charge, Chris Corcoran, heard it. And to his credit, really understood the vision, if you will. Um, I hate when artists sometimes know the vision. But, you know, understood what we were going for and um, was asking the right questions. And, you know, you're, when sometimes you're in a meeting and people are saying certain things, you're like, oh, they, they get it. And then my, you know, our agents called and said, um, we had gotten some offers. I don't know if I should really be talking about whatever, but uh, they, you know, we were getting some offers to do uh, a first episode or pilot. And 
Chris, I think, you know, reached right back out. He said, I'll, you guys, let's do a whole, let's just do a first season. And I forget, there might have been one or two other people that said that, but his, his sincere interest um, and just getting it and getting that it was all about story. Some people were getting kind of asking questions about, well, is it history? Is it modern history? Da, 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 da. And he's a, I give him a lot of credit because he was like, this is, this is storytelling. And that, to me, was fucking pretty cool. Do you still see some of these episodes as like a stepping stone? Like if someone approached you to, to make that into something else, I would assume you'd want to take that on as well? Uh, yeah, a good example of that would be, um, you know, we were doing an episode on why Michael Jordan uh, retired in 1993. There was all these conspiracy theories that it had something to do with him being in gambling debt and that his father had been murdered as a result. His, his father, James Jordan, had been murdered two and a half months prior to when Michael retired the first time. And while researching, I realized, and this is a very long story, we did uh, a very long story, but essentially realized that one of the two men who had been charged and convicted of the murder um, was innocent. He, he certainly was responsible for the next morning uh, helping his friend take the body and 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 uh, ultimately um, getting rid, you know trying to hide the body and that would have served a three to five year sentence and so a lot of people didn't really care that he'd been he'd been sent you know charged with murder um, and sometimes I you know that's sort of like the black and white not nuanced society that we can live in and I said well that's fucked up this guy deserves to be heard and and no one had interviewed him in eight years and we went ahead and did a special episode on him, um, the trial of Daniel Green, and we're now taking that out um, uh, as, a, as a documentary series because I want to help him get out. Uh, it's ultimately him and his lawyer who are doing the, the work to do that, but if I can, if I can contribute, that would be, um, that'd be you know, a good day's work. So uh, that's one example of where I think there's, there's, uh, there's more to be told than, than what we covered. I think we're up on time. Um, thank you for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the show or next week's episode that's coming out? The cool thing about the podcast, I'll say, is, and maybe I've already, you know, feel free to cut this, but I think it's, it's every episode is just story, story, story. And so it, that's why we're able to just run the gamut. So you can listen to an episode on Dave Chappelle. You can listen to an episode on Balloon Boy. You can listen to an episode on Serena Williams or or the sonic Cuba warfare where we're talking to CIA people and Cuban ambassadors. And it, and then, you know, next week is about this uh, Native American fighter who killed General Custer, uh, or I shouldn't say didn't killed, but there's some speculation that she did, and it's a fairly complicated story. And, and, and something I've learned while doing this is Native Americans actually have the highest percentage of, um, of joining the, the, the military. Uh, and, and what I've learned in doing and working on this is just the humility of Native Americans is, and the sacrifice, not, not in the sense that we normally think of, but just in terms of what they do for the country every day is, is pretty remarkable. So long way of saying um, there's, there's a lot of different episodes, and, and next week will be about Buffalo Calf Road Woman. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online. 
which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.